Hey, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Jared. What's up? It's been a few weeks. It's been a few weeks. Um, I appreciate you let giving me the the space because I, I had to. I'm I'm just getting to the point where this feature is like. <sighs> well, I mean, dude, you're you're in the middle of getting this feature, kind of like yeah. not wrapped up, but you're hitting a deadline, and then you're moving. There's a lot going on. Oh yeah, and there's a global <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a few things happening. So uh, no worries, dude. Of course. Yeah, dude. But I'm excited about this. Interview. I mean, I had so much fun sort of like one connecting with some, we don't, I don't think we have enough people from, I mean, we have some, but we don't, I feel like we could, we could always have more people from around the world that yeah. are doing the same things as we are. You yeah. know what I mean? It's yeah. interesting to hear their points of view. Um, well, I especially like, like talking to Ian, uh, our guest today, because, you know, uh, for several years I worked, not like in the UK, but my team was pretty much based in the UK. Uh, and so we know a lot of the same people, which is interesting, but, um, yeah, we, so today we have Ian Pons jewel on and, uh, he's just a wild man. He's wild. hilarious. He's hilarious. I would, I would definitely go watch his work first. I would pause this. Not just, not everything that he's done, obviously, because he's done so much. Dude, his, his website is insane. Yeah. <laughs> insane i mean I feel like like, i've done a lot of work but i look at this stuff and i'm like oh my god yeah just so much so definitely go watch it first um ianpondsjewel.com ianpondsjewel.com um but dude the the biggest thing that i took away and i hope people also take this away is just how how vital and how important the people around him are like when especially when he was first starting out and even when he's sort of like taking these moments in his career to like reset and like leave certain situations, yeah. like w- he kind of reverted back to that sort of like film schooly, like, let me get my homies together and do something, you know? And Which yeah. I, and you know, it, it's not like it works out like this for everyone, but it like, yeah, it like legitimately like catapulted him into a pretty like insane career that he's in the middle of right now. So I know he's, we talked briefly about on the, on the episode about him writing his feature and, and I can't wait to see what that looks like, but um, yeah. yeah, the music video and, and commercial space, he's um, definitely pushing boundaries. Like I don't know if anybody else is. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely look at his website, but even just like the client list is, you know, Nike, Apple, Google, Samsung, Ford, Audi, Alexis, Virgin, Ally Bank, Skittles. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, a mysterious Kanye West iPhone music video that we may, may not ever see. <laughs> that would be, but that's such a Kanye move too to like just can something. Yeah, <laughs> I, I need to hear the full story. We'll, we'll have yeah. to have him back on to tell that story. Probably not. Yeah. Um, but okay, if you, if you're like. I guess you could start like at the top of his website, but if you're looking at some, like what you need to watch, I mean, I would say, I mean, it's all amazing. Uh, but if you want to see like the depth of his insanity, uh, I would definitely check out yogurt boy, the commercial he did for Skittles. <laughs> um, and then on a totally, cause he definitely have, has like a pretty comedic bent, but also like dude, the scope of this uh, diamond producers association spot that he did is mm-hmm. insane. That, yeah. Like when I see that and then I think about him writing a feature, it gets me excited because it feels yeah. like it's in that world. Um, his music video work for, <laughs> for uh, Natural Born Killers, the track is James Messiah, is 
insane. Uh, and then the music video that he did for Beardy Man featuring Joe Rogan. Uh, which <laughs> I'm looking here on his site. They were released two days apart. Uh, oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Um, they're both so insane and so strange. And it gives me a little bit of hope, honestly, <laughs> on a personal <laughs> on a personal note, um, that this kind of stuff is getting made. And I, he said it, but I think it's really important, like, you know, uh, within the commercial world and the music video world, being able to, like, not just have to reference, yeah, like a, a, a Cronenberg movie or a Lynch film or whatever, but be able to be like, see, like Ian, Ian did it in a, mm-hmm. in a, in a Apple commercial or a state farm commercial or whatever, <laughs> you know, it, it is, he is like definitely like helping pave the way for uh, different arenas of, of thought and approach uh, for different filmmakers. So anyway, he's like endlessly inspiring to me. I, I feel like, uh, when I really transitioned into like the the music video and commercial world, I quickly learned how much I needed to like respect directors for just like getting work. I mean, like just just mm-hmm. like going through the gauntlet of getting work, but then to like be able to one win it. So like you know being able to put a pitch together that's convincing enough that you win it, and then like work with you know all the layers of uh, client agency, production company, talent post, all of that. And then come out with something like half good is a miracle. Yeah. And then to look at his body of work and be like, not only is it half good, but like it's all stunning and stuff that I've never really seen before over and over, yeah. over again. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah. Um, so, and as always big shout out to our sponsors, music bed and film supply. You can learn more about music bed uh, at musicbed.com. Let's get into the interview, Jerry. Let's do it. Um, where where are you in the world? Uh, I'm in London. How are things in London? Uh, quite. I mean, it feels weird to say pretty chill because obviously it's like yeah, of course, carnage in certain hospitals. People's lives have been, you know destroyed economically and stuff but i mean it's yeah ian did you have any um you know a lot of us whenever this started going down like we all had things planned and kind of ready to go like what was your experience with that (laughs) no i mean that's that's the other crazy thing for me personally was i've been planning a six month break for about (laughs) half it's about half a year so in like the summer last year I decided January 2020, I'm out of the game. I'm, I am switching off. I'm not doing any more jobs. And I'm going to do six months just writing and get my film written. Maybe I'll discover. So, yeah, that was my plan. Uh, um, in order to, because for the most part, you know, I, I, I've imagined myself as a writer director of features but having never reached that moment where you're going to flex that muscle i haven't but i've never written a feature right so i've been waiting for that so it was like this major event in my life it was like january 2020 i'm going to realize am i can i write or can't i write because i don't you know it's not something you dabble in i'm not someone who's going to be doing all these short form pieces whilst also writing a feature I'm, i don't i can't really work I, it wasn't something i was doing so as, as this this thing was coming like closer and closer <laughs> january 2020, <laughs> 2020 
And, you know, I'd been telling all my reps, I told my companies, like, don't send me anything. Like, this is like true cutoff. Like, I even put it in an interview so that it's like, I feel embarrassed if I go back on it. Yeah. Um, but, like, I had a mixture of telling everyone uh, the shame of if I did a U turn on it. I'd also just told them not to send me any work so that I wouldn't have any work, even if I wanted it. <laughs> it would require me. Yeah. You know, so I was like, really, really trying to create the most perfect storm for, yeah. for this period to be unaffected. And, and then, you know, I see this like shit popping off in China. And I'm like, this is going to go, this is going to spread everywhere. Like, I'm, a, I'm like a, I, I've been like, I used to be like major, like down, down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Conspiracy theory, conspiracy yeah. theory, like forums, like up till fucking 3 a.m. when I was at Unispoken <laughs> Bean and all this. So I've always like got, in my back of my head, I've like the, the thin veneer of society is always kind of just, I feel like I live with that all the time. You know? So I was seeing that shit pop me off. I was like, oh, this is going to hit everywhere. I was like, telling <laughs> you, like some people who'd book me for stuff in, in, in like, um, like a talk in Australia and summer and stuff. And then, you know, I was telling them already, like in January, I was like, this isn't, you know, that's not going to happen. Like this is, yeah, uh, you can't boom me. This is, this is all, everything's going to, it's like, no, what do you mean? Like this in some other chores. And I was like, no, no, this is like, I was like, I had this other talk. I was like, Hey, like you guys still doing this thing? I was like, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, a month later, Oh, it's canceled. Oh, it's this. And then you're yeah. just seeing this thing up. So basically I'd plan not to, do anything for well to write my film right so for me it's I, I was I've basically been gearing up to just isolate for <laughs> half a year and then the whole everyone else is isolating yeah so then what happened is like I was planning this thing to, <laughs> to not do any work and now I'm unable to work and no one else is able to work and then I, it had the reverse effect. <laughs> so then I'm like, fuck, like I want to do something. I feel bored. I can't, <laughs> I realized how much I need cafes to work in, like to yeah. go to a cafe and write. Yeah. I need to be doing something and then go off and go out, get some food somewhere, go for a walk. Like when life itself stops, it's like this big spongy breaks on my brain. Yeah. You know, like sometimes I'll get, I'll write a character based off someone I've been staring at in the queue in the supermarket. Not that that <laughs> can't happen now because there's still the slight, they're two meters away rather than close to me. But you, it's like life stopping is really not conducive to like writing or for me personally. And I think for a lot of other people, like, yeah, there's, there's, then you get this sense of like added pressure of like, Oh, now it's a shutdown. Now it's a lockdown. Now you've got to write that script. So then I had people, so then I'd be telling them, Oh yeah, I'm not doing it. And then I had people writing to me like, yeah, Ian, like you, so that script, good timing, man. Like, so yeah, you must be like, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, Oh, how's the script going? Are you writing that script? Cause now everything's, I was like, Oh my God. Like, fuck so now i ended up not able to so i've got some research and before yeah. it had locked down the writing started i started writing and it was going really well i was like fuck i think i can actually write this film and it was a major moment for me to realize that yeah that i think i can write a, a whole film so that had started you know it was only like five pages in but i could feel it, it was like going good yeah. 
Yeah. And then since the lockdown, I just can't get my head back in it. And it, <laughs> it's um, so I'm, I'm basically instead of feeling shame and hating myself, I've stopped doing that and I'm doing other things. Uh, yeah. Instead. Yeah. Interesting. You know, I do feel like it is an interesting time where everybody feels the need to be extremely productive. Um, yes. And it's hard, man. I think the, the, the mental emotional effect that this is having is like, I think we'll like probably know it down the road, but I, it is interesting because there is, there is this, uh, uh, pressure to like get in good shape or to write your feature or to like, you know, make pottery or make bread or be productive. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. the whole I, bread thing pisses me off by the way. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, I do think that it is, um, there's a lot of pressure to like be a different kind of productive when I think that like, I, I mean, at least personally, I do think there is some kind of like, uh, like mental, I don't know, there, there's some kind of like mental block to, to like, um, really being able to engage like you would have beforehand. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, it's a strange, like. I mean, the getting fit thing, I think <laughs> that is like, to be honest, like, if anything, it's like, oh, like, watch out, like, get moving because I just put on weight. Like, I put weight on because oh, I realized all my calories I was, because I don't do exercise. I hate it. I, hate, I don't exercise. And I realized all the exercise I was doing was just from going around, like, go walk yeah. to here, walk there. And then I was like, oh my God. And I pull this weight on. So I was like, oh, oh, God. So I put, I was like, this is, so I'm going to come out of this without a script. <laughs> so I was going to, so I thought, oh, uh, so. so you don't like, feel like it's like the universe telling you that like, like reinforcing your decision to take a break. You're, you, this is more like it, it, your, your brain can't like um, get into writing mode. That's what you're feeling. It's. It's a kind of, I need, it's as simple as I need to be able to go. So when I was started the writing, I would go to a cafe and I'd sit down and I would write in the cafe. And then it might, most of that writing might have been plot points. And then I'd, yeah. when I'd go home, I'd flesh it out or I'd be doing everything in the cafe. Yeah, but the changing of space is so important for me, and I think mm. for others as well. Like my my girlfriend's the same, who I'm with, uh, Matilda Finn. You know, she's the same. Like she's we both. I had no idea that was your girlfriend. That's amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we're pulled up together, which is great. But cool. She needs. Um, the, we're exactly the same like that. She needs. She's like really misses cafes like fuck, like we this is how we work we go out and f go to a cafe and it's to the point where it's like oh look you yeah, found this like new cafe it's so good they've got plug access they've got this you know, <laughs> yeah and, yeah you know and bef before it used you know so it is it like the act really like, the main thing it's just yeah is it like needing to react to something as opposed to just like you know generate from like nothing like like there is something about being around other people or, or being in public or something that like kind of triggers your your mind to like what what do you your think mind, it is? you can in a cafe 
or in a diner or anywhere or in public generally, you can sit and stare into space. Yeah. You can you can sit in a cafe. Imagine yourself in a cafe or a diner or whatever, just sitting there with a coffee, just looking forward, looking yeah. ahead of you. You could you do that, right? Yeah. So then when you're sat at your table in your home and there's no one around, it's just you and you sit there and you just stare ahead. It's good, different. Mm. It's not like there's a flow. It's not like there's this kind of life river stream right. like passing stagnant. by you. You know, it's a, you're, it's, you're in a stagnant space. Now, depending on that space though as well, right? Because in my place in Lisbon, it's a bit, that's the other thing. It's like, I'm not in my place. Like when I go back yeah. to Lisbon in a month, yeah. that feasibly might completely change, but I'm not in my, my house as well. Mm. Um, so it's not like the setup's not quite right. You could also re- reduce all of this down to, I'm just finding excuses <laughs> not to write. <laughs> but, you know, oh, I mean, it's possible. Uh, I love making excuses yeah. for myself. But basically, I just I love sitting in a cafe or a diner and and writing and working. It's it's just like that's how I work, and it's this whole lockdown is not uh, great for that. Not because it's yeah. is it the same for commercials and music videos and stuff? Has that kind of been your process for a long time? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, for. A music video for a music video the process is like listening to the tr- it's listening to the track and when i i'm really careful with when i get sent a track i need to make sure i'm i've got my like pad mm. and paper yeah a, a paper pad there ready or computer or whatever and then when i put it on because you only listen to music for the first time once and so I'll be really careful where I am when I first listen to it. So I'll mm. make sure I'm ready to be able to start writing. So often I will go to a cafe, get a coffee, and then listen to it. Because sometimes I'll have the entire video or most of the video uh, on a first listen sometimes, if it's mm. that kind yeah. of it's that yeah. kind of music. Like sometimes it will just the images start coming into my mind. Uh, so much to the point where I need to be able to put that down immediately yeah. or it will be like, I'll listen to it three, four, five times in a row and it will solidify more and more. And then I'm putting it onto paper. Um, and then after that, it's you're working different elements and parts of it. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to be in it. So, but yeah. Yeah. I I feel I'm curious about this. I feel like <clears throat> there have been times where I've been writing uh, a music video treatment, and I'll I'll put the song on like loop, and um, it's like become it's become something I don't do anymore because I feel like it it became like this thing where the song almost became like um, white noise to me, and I couldn't even hear it anymore. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Have you yeah. felt? I, I guess I'm just curious, like in in dealing with the song, because I feel the same way. Like I think the first listen is so important, but as you're kind of developing, how much are you listening to the song, like over and over again, or kind of how how are you navigating that? I'm I'm curious. There's nothing more frustrating than that moment when 
if that idea doesn't come initially, oh my god, yeah, you know, and it doesn't come, <laughs> then it's like, oh man, like this, and that can happen, you know, that hap- that I I get that as well. So if that doesn't happen, then I'm in for a a torturous like because then listening, you can't listen to the song over and over. It's like yeah. taking yeah. your muse and and smashing their head against the wall, <laughs> like inspire me. <laughs> you know it's like, why aren't you giving me anything you know it's like so what i'll tend to do is just even if those initial lessons have given me one thing and yeah. it might be it might just be one character or it might be yeah. a landscape it might be a particular environment like i list a track and i can see like a desert whatever just, just throwing an idea and then sure. you just I've got I've got this one thing from that track. Then you have to leave the carcass that you've been pulling meat from and being not nutrifying yourself from. And then I'll go I'll go to another bit of music. I'll listen to different music altogether. Yeah. And I've written I've had some videos that have actually, you know, they've come from other people's music. They've come from different tracks at the mm. time and that a different track will then open my mind out and I'll have a different mm. flow of of visuals or different moods set coming in and and all that will help my writing process from that initial nugget and then then I'll go back to the other track and then you've got a different idea because then mm. then your the music video process then for me is a different one where it's essentially and then sometimes it's the same as if you're reusing an idea for yeah. a track. That's so in that process, I find that it's like the idea. I've got this really bad analogy that I use. It's as if the <laughs> the, the idea is then a, a pre-existing slice of cheese, and <laughs> okay. you're putting it onto this uh, track, and the track is like crusty bread imagine it as like crusty bread and then the yeah. listening process is like the grill and then so you're grilling this idea onto this crusty bread and then you're letting that cheese melt into the dips and ebbs and mm. flows of that bread to make a delicious meal but mm. um to it's like then it's like you're you're it's forming like melding, that melding, too, yeah. melding it perfectly over that different that track and using the kind of you know, so the ideal, and that's what I love about music videos, is that ideal, almost religious experience of listening to a track and immediately forming the, this this film, this this thing. Yes, it's yeah. like it's it's an all it's like a kind of when it's true subconscious imagery coming from the listening experience. Mm. You're not melding something onto something. You're it's coming. It's a yeah it's a purity of meeting of that music and, and consciousness, hmm. uh, which is, I can say is certain videos. It's like for me per- personally, it's like the James Messiah video yeah. uh, and the <laughs> video are pure. They are like one, one lesson I could see that. And then more hmm. listenings is just bringing more out from it. And then other videos like, say the beardy man one isn't (laughs) wasn't one that i didn't listen to that and see the whole uh thing it was it was a it was a different it was more of that taking an idea and laying it to the music 
question for both of you. What is like the amount of things that you feel is like, maybe not the amount, but like how important is it to hold on to those first sort of like instinctual visuals or ideas? Um, or is it just kind of getting that idea and then refining it? Or is it like that? Because it feels like, Ian, like your work has a lot of like once ideas, you know, they're all stringed together. Maybe like a video has like a single layer, but like they're kind of just out of this world. Like the first thing that you thought of, like what if this guy was pulling a jacket and there was wormholes in there, you know, like, like where does that come from and how important do you feel like it's, it is to like hold on to those ideas as opposed to being like, I know that's silly or like that's like too out there or it doesn't really connect, but like, why is that important to you? Yeah, so I I feel like I'm really I like Robert Crumb for the reason that he says you should draw anything that comes into your mind. I I really don't believe in like censorship of ideas, um, and I do think that that initial piece nugget that comes you should take, however absurd you should take it very seriously because then it's about how how you execute it. But it's not a problem if you disregard. I don't see it as an issue if you disregard an idea that comes a bit initially because maybe you don't have the budget that works for it or you can't work it out properly. But yeah, like, and I think a good example of that is actually, actually with the Beardy Man one, there was a moment where I was like, this is fucking stupid. Like this whole <laughs> video is so dumb. And I had this whole like self, I had this self, self doubt over it. And I was in the office when I had it and I was telling my good friend Leo who's head of music videos at the time and, and Ella and, and Ella who's, who's the music rep there we were good mates who I was talking through this thing like almost live and and then it then I so I sat down and I thought and then I had this idea of him of it cutting back to reality with him with sauce with sausages <laughs> around his face yeah and that was the thing that allowed the all of that absurdity to exist. And then I told them, oh, what if it's like at the end you realize it's like it was just this fucking it's like this ridiculous, dumb trip that he would. Have. So <laughs> it made it OK. So I think, yeah, I don't think there's ever bad ideas, basically. Yeah. For you, Jared. Um, I, I guess I'm curious just on a, on a different wavelength, like because. Uh, because I know I have my own, but um, how many ideas do you have that you're like kind of dying to make that nobody wants you to make? <laughs> I just have like these, I have like a handful of like music sure. video kind of like, uh, you know, kind of like even structural ideas or like pretty simple concepts that, you know, some concepts are just like sadly so specific to a song that you write on that they just can't transfer yeah. over. But there are some that like feel like you're, they're bound to find a place. I guess I'm curious, you know, yeah, do you have yeah. things that are kind of on the shelf that you've been trying to like get in to the game for a while? <laughs> totally. I, I think it's interesting, isn't it? I think that there's two types of those ideas. There's one in one category, you've got the ones that, you mourn over when they're not Ugh. picked because the Brutal. idea yeah. came from the music to a point where it cannot, you cannot feasibly see it existing yeah. outside of that initial 
space that it was created in. And yeah. that is like, it's like a mourning. It's like, yeah, it's because it's yeah. the death of something that was born, but cannot be placed into a new home. It, it's dead. It's killed. So that is brutal. And I, I've, I think all music directors have had that. I'm sure you've had that where that that's just a terrible experience and something we go through all the time. And it's yeah. like, it's to, and you can't listen to that music again. Like no. I've had, there's one particular track. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I cannot listen to this to this particular track anymore. And when the video came out, I it took me. I was like a month. Yeah, honestly, like a month. I was depressed. And that's because you knew the whole, video would be so fucking good. Yes. If you, yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, because it was like you can't grab these people and shake them and be like, you don't understand. I had a spiritual experience from this music Bro, and yes. you've chosen <laughs> this fucking dumb, cool, fuckwit idea over it. Like, yeah. And you've, you've murdered this baby I created, you know? So that, those are really, really horrible. But yeah, then you've, on the other side, you've got ideas, which uh, are kind of as a good, you know, can work for other ones. And those ones, you just shelve them and you wait and, you see, right? But I guess I'm curious. Yes, absolutely. Uh, do you have, because I feel like I have maybe like two, maybe three that I've pitched like six times each. <laughs> and uh, I th- I know that they're brilliant and I love them and I would like die to make them, but no one else seems to feel that mm. way that I pitched them for. But I don't know if you have that experience. Maybe that's just personal <laughs> to me. <laughs> I, yeah, for sure. But I think initially i'd never i had there was this one year where it was 2012 where i just everything was rejected everything i wrote i wrote so many pictures all of them were rejected and i was advised by my rep at the time quite you know with quite reasonably like you you should consider toning it down because yeah. None of them are going through. And it was because <laughs> my body of work didn't have that level of like me proposing Beardy Man now yeah. Yeah. is like taken seriously weirdly. It's like, okay, oh yeah, like Ian's this is Ian's idea, he's pictured things. Cool, yeah. Look, but then me, 2012, me pitching that. They're like, "Who the fuck is this fuck yeah. dude? Like, <laughs> what are you talking about?" No. Um, so it's a difficult one because you're trying to get to a stage where you've got a body of work which is ends up acting like a kind of like an armory. It ends up as yeah. your body armor for when you go into these spaces to pitch an idea because you got you can point to you can see you do when, when it's a particularly weird idea, you know, it's kind of tough, but um, that's, that's the main thing, Ian. That's, that's like the, uh, that's where I feel like I'm so fascinated by you is how the, how, how (laughs) like, Especially in the commercial space, it's shocking to see. And I know you probably hear this all the time, but like for you to be doing what you're doing, the images you're creating, the concepts that, that major clients are letting you pull off and, and do, it's, uh, it's insane. And I guess that's like the biggest thing is like 
how are you mm-hmm. like how are people trusting you to do that how did yeah, you get there so, yeah it's 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 a weird one because so i find that with music videos it's completely different music videos it's about them trusting whether you can pull the idea off rather than it being that idea is too weird right because it's like it's music videos it's different yeah so music videos territory you're trying to get to a stage where you're getting trust for execution yeah then once you're in commercial world um so for me personally so i spent i was doing music videos for like seven years before i got commercial yeah. So I was doing music videos and I was in a good, in a really like, you know, top of the game, whatever, like known music video guy, like one of the best guys doing videos whilst also still, you know, I was doing, uh, worked in a cinema. I got fired from that job. I worked, I was doing wedding videos. I was doing, I was, I did, I was pot washing at my mate's restaurant. I did, yeah. <laughs> I was doing like whatever was required to keep, myself time rich so i needed Mm. i needed my time from that's 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 wealth like time wealth that's the most important thing so that was my whole thing then once so basically finally when i did get that commercial i had such a strong portfolio that when they did ask me to do a commercial it was pretty obvious why it was because they liked this weirdness whatever um so then I was going into that space, not as a director that had done two really good music videos and was being given a break. It was, it was a established music video director being asked to put their stamp on a commercial. Yeah. Um, so I had sway. And also really the biggest thing, honestly, is like this guy who, um, the, the the guy who gave me that break, um, uh, Robert Krauser, he was, he, at the agency, he just really wanted me to do the commercial and it was a German commercial. It was through Anorak. So I had the, um, who gave, who, they were the ones giving me my first break. So Anorak is like really well trusted, flawless production. Yeah. So I had the weirdo music video guy backed by, Flawless production, yeah. amazing producers going into this space with an agency C, uh, ECD who's telling the client this is the guy for the ad. Yeah. And also the client tr- really trusted Anorak because they'd worked, they just really liked working with Anorak as a production company, the client themselves as well. So yeah. you had this perfect kind of set of variables that really allowed sure. me to do be myself in that first one which was for Atello but that one wasn't as mental that one wasn't a mental ad it was a it was a it was a kook, interesting kind of beautiful but some, some comedy ad but then the next one was for um Hornbach and that was my second ever commercial and that was with this legendary guy, Guido Heffels, who owns the agency, he started Hornbach. Like when Hornbach opened, he did their first ad and they've been with him ever since, wow. like, over two decades or whatever. And all of the ads are insane. 
And so then I was doing this ad where I was able to like come up with scenes for it. He, we were collaborating, me and Guido on the writing, coming yeah. up with scenes. Like, what if he's carrying the wood and he looks like Jesus? Like, it's like this holy, yeah. like acid filled fucking Jesus, like he moment. And it's, it, and then, it, and then it's like on set, I was doing the scene with the guy at the tool cupboard. And it's Guido himself unhappy with how the scene is. And then he's like, Ian, make him spit at the camera. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Okay. So then I'm going over to the actor saying, hey, yeah. could you spit at the camera? And the actor's like, no, this is rude. He's like this Romanian guy, <laughs> incredible actor, who just yeah. found it really not something you would do. And I was like, no, please, like just try it. And then it, he... So that came from the ECD, you know. So crazy, I was so yeah. lucky to be working. And again, it was with Anorak and it was Guido and it was Hornback. And it couldn't be. And this amazing client who just trusted Guido resolutely and in turn me. So those, I had such an amazing experience in those first two. That Those two gave me faith in ads and set mm. the path for me to never compromise unless absolutely necessary. <laughs> and from then on, it was also understanding from those two ads, the mechanics of commercials, which is it's not you versus them. It's not you trying to get your way. It's not like, oh, these idiotic creatives or whatever. Like sh you get frustrated all the time, but as a director, you're the only person who knows what that film looks like in its end result. And yeah. you're having to take not only your crew on that journey to craft it to what you're seeing in your mind. And that's the easy, that's massively difficult, but also the easiest part of the process because mm -hmm. they're with you and supporting you. You've then got to bring agency and client on board to a destination which they can't see you can only show them through boards and casting and then they see a face that's really weird and you're like, yeah, but the fa this face is important because X, Y, Z, whatever. Um, yeah. So it's this journey and it's there's so much persuasion involved. There's so much that you have to, to like listen, like you have to be empathetic with them, you have to listen, you have to then propose, you can't, ever say oh this is the guy because he's just got to be it's just got to be this guy you've got to give like why is that the best guy you know why is this so it's a really arduous process sometimes but it was a real learning curve with like all of that it's it's so much of it is about persuasion but not mm. <laughs> sometimes that persuasion might be a bit tricky you might be you know you might be playing some games to to bring people around to certain <laughs> things but you know for the most part it's because you it's almost like the ends justify the means or whatever it's like the, if the final pit at the end of the day you get to that end to the end there's a fucking banger commercial everyone loves it like for the most part but you know there's also i've had experiences where an agency or have the clients threaten to leave to take the account away once they've seen the edit because it's like so mental <laughs> and there's like 
the C the CEO wasn't like taken on that journey. So they because they weren't yeah, taken right, on that journey, right, right. they're like, what the fuck is this? Or, you know, there's a one where the client is literally like, we did the whole project and then he was fired. But he wasn't yeah. that guy in particular was just in, like he was so he was so strong on what he wanted. Yeah. Outside of the rest of the board. You know, that was so it's really interesting how all this things work yeah. and like often you'll be surprised like at the end of the day it's like it's just trust and and i think what's cool with then making this kind of stuff is then you also create precedent it's like well it means someone else is making an ad and they can like point to yeah instead of pointing to like a weird trippy chris cunningham video for a reference <laughs> for the casting they can someone might then be able to point to i don't know a nike ad which has got body horror in yeah and it's like <laughs> rather than having to go to cronenberg you can suddenly yeah. as a director you're you can and i'm not saying you know and for me that was like andreas nilsson it was yeah. uh you know there's uh tom kunst it's like there's loads of directors like really you really push it and make the stuff you think how did they get away with that in the client so i think yeah does that like um does that kind of like i don't know i guess is that like a, a filter for you personally that like it has to continue to feel like that or are you just pretty comfortable with like whatever kind of flows out of you feels like true to you i guess you know you've kind of built a persona of like doing like wild mental shit so it's like do you have, do you feel any kind of obligation to like continue that or, uh, everything that always be like checked off, you know, or, or are you kind of comfortable with just like whatever you feel like is right for the project you're comfortable with? It's whatever. Yeah. I would say it's about, I try and find a core thing. It's like a core, like truth or in, in a conceptual way. It's like, there's, there's a core thing that's always drawing you. That's where you're going. So all the decisions made are always to do with that destination rather yeah. than it's not just trying to be weird, which is <laughs> yeah. a weird thing right. for me because I, I, I know that that's what it's seen as and that's what is. But for me, I'm not like, I'm not on the outside. I have to stay on the inside. I can't step yes. outside of it and then think oh i should make it weird or i yeah. do trippy weird stuff for me it's like like let's say the nike one where he turns into a snail it's like yeah, yeah. It, it was just okay so it's about slowing down it's about slowing down it's 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 uh there's this guy landing on his back and i'm like oh it's like a shell it's like a snail shell mm and then I'm like, yeah. oh, he could like become a snail through this stuff. So it's just it just it's a progression of tum to tum to tum to tum. It's kind of almost boring when you explain a lot of that. But um yeah, I don't know. So the process for me is isn't I'm not consciously trying to be weird, basically. Um and then with Mauro, we're really always pushing my DP, the not my DP, Mauro Chiarelli, I shoot almost everything with you know we've become we've become so tight of with this collaboration that we're also conscious of 
oh, we did that before. Like, let's not do that again. So then on a cinematography level, we're conscious of our own body of work, which is interesting. So we're able to, uh, it's not like I'll shoot something and then be like, okay, now I should work with a different DP. So it looks like it's like me and Mauro were then change without right now we're going to shoot large format and like yeah. with Bose was something we really did different things with with the Bose commercial we like we shot large format we uh, street photography was the main like core thing like we made shit up on a day we were just like <laughs> none of those scenes were like that the I don't know if you've seen that one or that the 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 Bose one but there's like a scene just for example like the guy eating a hot dog and the thing it's like when we were there there was this weird little space of grass so i grabbed two extras i was like put yeah. them there that will look good if they're placed there what they could they, maybe they could be having <clears> an argument <throat> or something and then i just thought oh maybe he's like looking around he's like dropped something and this is on the day this is on the day <laughs> the camera set up this is on the day i'm like oh maybe he's dropped something okay yeah he's like he could be like looking for something and then i'm like ring get me a diamond ring and then i'm like asking grabbing people's hands and seeing who's got rings and then like, you know <laughs> yeah. the props uh props from outside don't worry like i've got rings like so he brings a train's got a load of rings so pick one so i pick uh, pick one okay he's like looking for the ring because he is he was like proposing to her and he dropped the ring and that's the scene so then yeah. it's not just a guy at uh, the image of a guy eating uh hot dogs in the hot a hot dog in the cafe it's like there's this couple next door so then we added shots then we're like oh you see the ring first and then you come out to a wide uh so you're seeing a something you don't understand it till you yeah. get the bigger picture and we were kind of working like that with everything so then you yeah, it's amazing you see a shadow and then you cut wide and, you see, and then we're just creating all these little so it was really it was such a that was one of my favorite shoots just for the endless possibilities of yeah. adding things. And we changed shots all the time and we really just added so much background. Anyway, my point being that that was a completely different process. Yeah, totally. To a different ad. Yeah. Something else. Um, I have so, so many questions to ask you, but I'm, I'm, you know, in my work, I feel like I've always been um, not necessarily like scared uh, to use visual effects, but I just have such little experience with it that I'm curious, like your kind of foray into like, uh, even even like when I'm, you know, sitting down to write something, it's like I'm kind of not even letting my mind really drift into visual effects that much because um, I just something I've never really done or been that interested mm-hmm. in, but I do feel it being like a bit limiting, I guess for you. When did that become something that you really considered as like a, a tool, like in, in in your toolkit? Sure. Uh, so I think that the best thing to do with VFX generally is not to see it as VFX. It's not like I won't sit down, for example, writing something and then think, "Oh, and this VFX bit." It's more. VFX, visual effects is just another tool uh, in the same way as as a light is uh, in the same way, you know, that uh, building a set is or, you know, it's just another, 
piece of craft. The so, but the issue with it is it's prohibitively expensive craft. You know, it's not. <laughs> yeah. It's a. It's not a. You have to be wary of it. So, but for the most part, you have to allow. I'll I'll write something just because of. So initially, you're writing something without anything limiting you. Then you yeah. go into how do I get this made? I have no yeah. money. I have no friend, uh, friends. Um, you know, at the beginning, <laughs> at the beginning, right? You got, yeah. I got no favors. I got no. I've just got like me and uh, you know, at the beginning, I was, it was just like me and my boy Doug Walsh, who came out to Bolivia. You know, it was like me and him. That's it. it was like me, Doug, yeah, and then we'd get like two other people or whatever. <laughs> um, and so you're so on one side, you're trying to make work that you can at that period of time in your career. So you might, so I know I always do tell people like, just use what you have around you. Like you might have a weird uncle with an amazing face, cast him. <laughs> yeah. Your, your dad might be my own, a, might be a mechanic and you could shoot something in the mechanic shop for free. You got that's a right. location free done. You've got this, that. So into, for the most part, you don't have, oh, and then I'll use my auntie who's a flame op at the mill. You know, that's not <laughs> in, your, yeah. in your surroundings, right? Yeah. Whoever's auntie is a flame op at the mill, like they're yeah, really lucky. You know, they're, they're someone who's got like family members who are like VFX artists. It's like, that'd be the dream, right? So but for the most part, you don't have that. So it's yeah. not your one of those things that you're it's not a it's not a tool that you're using immediately when you start off you've got you got your camera you got your lenses you you got more than we ever had 20 years ago but you got yeah. a lot of things but one thing you don't immediately have is vfx once you start so that it's seen as this like as vfx but it's not it's just image manipulation that's all it is is image yeah. manipulation but it's really expensive image manipulation. But once you're able to be using it, and you know, once you're, you know, for you, for example, like you, Jared, you'd be like, you should, you should never be holding back from writing something that's got VFX because you're gonna be able to. You'll have to be pulling some favors in there, but you're in that world where you can write. But it's, it's, um, you you can be ready to, and then if you don't get anyone able to do it on your budget then you then you change tact and do something else yeah yeah so that's what i would say in terms of how of using it so what i'd done is very early on i my editor gaia baretti she did her own bit of vfx on my first ever music video mm. and i love that then i did this one one of the first ones i did with doug Walsh was this uh, the tiny tempered jargon video, which has got this policeman who gets spiked with MDMA, yeah. and his eyes. I wanted his eyes to go big, and for that there was this uh, uh, a friend of mine. I haven't seen him in fucking ages. When I go hit him up, Morgan Beringer, and he's an incredible vi like visual filmmaker. He does these yeah. really stunning abstract films. Um, and he's an After Effects whiz. And he said he reckoned he could pull it off. And I'd met him through doing these film nights. 
yeah. that I, I was invited to show films. And so anyway, yeah. so I was, and he pulled it off. He did an amazing job. So I was already using them early on, like in manipulating image through After Effects, whatever it was. And then it just naturally progressed. Then I yeah. was asking favors from a, from a VFX company who would be up for doing me a favor, you know, and then it just grows in scale of what you're able to do. So now having had a lot of, done a lot of VFX, when I write, I'm not worrying about VFX. Yeah. I'm just writing completely freely. If I then happen to have an idea that has, you know, a house melt or whatever, you know, it's whatever, it, I'm not thinking, I'm not stunting myself in that process, but it's because yeah. I'm now able to do that. Right. It's a kind of, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, I don't want to get hung up on this point, but I am interested just like even um, just logistically, like I think when, when I'm kind of like in, in the zone, like, and I'm juggling different ideas, it, there is, there is a part of me that is kind of like, I just don't have, um, I mean, I guess maybe one of the first things is like, it feels like maybe, uh, something that feels out of my control, which is, um, always feels a little strange, you know, that like I, mm-hmm. it, a fu- fully trusting someone else to pull this off. And I don't really have, you know, when someone's editing or someone's even when someone's shooting, uh, you know, like a DP or whatever, or gaffer, I feel like I, I know enough to be able to be like, no, 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 put that light over there. Or like, no, that cut needs to be like, four frames later or whatever, like we need to restructure this whole video. Like I can kind of step in and like, feel like I know how to speak to it, but with visual effects outside of it, you know, looking a certain way, I feel like ill-equipped to be like, um, to know what I'm talking about. And I guess I'm curious, like maybe with how you started, you, you were able to kind of learn it as you went, but maybe for for someone like me, um, I guess I'm curious, what do you like? How would you even begin to, to like, start to tinker with it you know yeah sure so i think that i think everyone's different as well so i i i know if i like the way something looks but i'm terrible with lighting like i would never know where to say a light should move yeah so things like that i have no idea i i, I wouldn't the mechanics or the particular thing of like light placement, I can't do. So I'm lucky that I've, I've just worked with incredible DPs. I'm not saying the ones that you're asking them to move a light aren't good DPs. It's just like, you know, where you've got a lighting is something you're maybe you're really into and you know, like I wish I knew so much more about lighting. It just boggles my mind. When yeah. I watch the DP, I'll be like, Mara just lighting a set and he's like just tinkering and like, da, 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 da. and then yeah. I can then place the camera anywhere. And it's like, yeah, he yeah, lights, yeah. Totally. he lights a, a scene, not a shot. Yeah. So anyway, so like I'm, so I just do not touch that. Like I really just <laughs> let Mauro roll with that completely. Um, and we talk and, it, but we have a really good just, so then with VFX, I'm pr- kind of like that too, depending on, the experience so like i worked the first proper vfx job i did was the hornback one so yeah. the second commercial right and that was with time-based arts and yeah. i've pretty much just worked with i've then worked on so many jobs for time-based arts after that in a run in a row 
that we developed an amazing, really good collaborate collaboration, but they're also really collaborative people. Yeah. Yeah. They're always talking back and forth. And I found that some other companies didn't have that. So I wasn't I wasn't privy to the process. Some of them you don't hear you don't talk to them at all. I found yeah. in the US it's it's a bit here and there. But um so they were a real learning period for me like I learned so much from working with them I'd go in and I would see what they were doing and then I'd pick up the terms that they'd use like 3d projection and uh, shooting plates and doing like so then you're picking up on the terms being used yeah you're seeing and also with time base they won't just and you know with a lot of post space they won't just try and shoot it try and make it post you might have there's, we have this joke with time-based that I tell them, like, Steve-O, my mate who works, he's, like, amazing VFX supervisor there. Yeah. Well, this, like, joke where I'm like, you should get rid of Steve-O because he keeps making everything in camera. Like, he'll come up with a way <laughs> to not do it in VFX. He was like, oh, yeah, but maybe if you actually shoot it, like, here, then actually, and you build this thing and then you do this, you're like, okay, so you're telling me, now this has all gone to art department and me so which is great because you should always try and do it in camera it's like it's the golden thing try and do it in camera so then you work with time-based and with steve and they they themselves they're a vfx company but they're coming up with amazing ways of keeping it in camera yeah, because they that's know amazing. that that's the best end so result. Weird. So then you're not just learning about visual effects; you're learning about you're developing ways to shoot something. So then now I'll be writing something and doing something, and I know how to achieve it. I know what's VFX, and I know what isn't VFX. So then my bid is be able is able to get more and more exact. And you know, I've had experiences with other companies, like the Mill London did the three commercial. Yeah, and they were incredible, and we had a really great collaborative process, and they were they were amazing as well. So it's yeah, it you it's a it's like with anything you start working in VFX and it starts smaller, and if you keep your keep communicating with them and they're collaborative, you can you learn more and more, and you can see the process, and you can yeah, you you pick up new terms and new way of ways of explaining things and yeah and but i put a lot of trust on them for you know for for the compositing so you you know the compositing is a whole other thing you know you've got all the 3d assets but then you've got got to apply them to the shot and the way that it's composited is a total art form you know and i've i've had work done somewhere that's just really i I can work out to a point what's wrong with it, but there's stuff I can't word. I can't say why this doesn't look right. Hmm. And if I then showed that to a, you know, a a great composite, they'd be able to say, Oh, it's because the blur here isn't right. Because if you (laughs) look at this, it's like the motion blurs off on, because the asset you're putting in, you need to apply the same values as, the, sh- right. the real shot like motion blur and all the rest of it so that to make it all just sit in the frame um so yeah sure. Ian, what is your 
point of view on how music videos are, are pitched at this point in time. Like the amount yeah, of directors, the, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Sure. So this is what I've, I just is so amazing with what Dan Kwan did when he did that initial Twitter thing about it. And then you could really see the horror of the music video directors go through pitching. And I think that's, what's been so incredible. What, what he's done with we direct music videos and now with the people working there, like Miranda, Miranda Tiano, who's like a soldier, like just, they're just constantly working on this thing. And it's like, I've seen, and I know other people have seen a, a, a change of attitude just from its existence, even though those guidelines aren't always applied. Mm. I think there's been an improvement. And that's just what we've got to keep going on is just getting that improvement on the pitching process. And I think, I won't, the amount of people pitching is like, it's such a weird, like, is, is there a particular number? I would say, you know, 30 is definitely not okay. And limiting <laughs> it, limiting it to three is not realistic in a music video because also a lot of us yeah. get our first break in music videos, right? So you've mm-hmm. got, if you limited it to the same as commercials, they're just going to pick, um, Famous person one, famous person two, famous person three. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> right. You know, so I think that, but I think just in the just in that initial that rollout of the guidelines, and then putting a light on some of the statistics, like the amount and the fact that you know you don't get. It's just it's it it's horrific. Like I st- you still hear the horrible stories, like. You know, not receiving a, an email back to say thanks for the week of work. You know, yeah, <laughs> just, just on a human, just on a human right, level, right. it's just fucked. Yeah, and but it's also what's sad about it is, is it makes us kind of like us versus them, and it's like right, you know. And then I'll do like the beardy man. The last video I did, I haven't done, I hadn't done one since Sev Delisa. Sev Delisa was direct with Seth Deleuze. Yeah, so yeah. the whole thing was a dream. Then I did James Messiah. It was all direct with James Messiah. And then one of my great old mates, John Rust. So it was, it was just us. It was just us vibing, making this, making this piece, no compromise, no system, no people. So then the next kind of quote unquote proper one with like labor was, was Beardy Man. Yeah. And that, that was with the commissioners was Eleanor and where we were mates before it. And she was just amazing. You know, she was, um, and I had a brilliant experience with, sorry, my Siri keeps going. So I had like a brilliant experience with that. Um, Eleanor Argaros at Sony. Um, you know, and then I'm like, um, Mike, Mike O'Keefe's been a supporter of me from, from years back. And so he was overlooking it and everyone was going towards one destination and making like a balls out mental video that we knew (laughs) that's what we were going for. That one was definitely like this one can be. So I've had, you know, and so, but that's me talking now in 2020. That's had, I've had very different experiences as well, but I would say I've had, some amazing ones you know i've had 
really, really good experiences like Caroline Clayton and, um, you know, like, so, and they're, it's also understand like their job is really fucking tough as well. Yeah. You know, they, to the amount of like videos that they're juggling at the same time. So then you've, then you're looking at, you've got to look further up. So, okay, why are they juggling? Why have they having, why that they're the one having to turn around this video in three weeks? And you're like, why did yeah. I get this track yeah. three weeks ago? <laughs> yeah. So then you have to look up and then you're looking at marketing. So like, why are these fucking marketing people not, more on it like why are they yeah going? so then it all just trickles down and then we're yeah. we're at the crossroad point where it's commissioner director with all of those pressures added yeah so i it's a real shit show and it's one that we we'd happily put that shit pipe to our mouth if it, if we were getting paid but yeah, not, so for the most part. <laughs> yeah. So it makes it it makes the ingestion <laughs> of the excrement particularly bitter. Um, yeah, so it's true. I don't know. Right. If, there there I, is a level of like you know uh, even at like where I'm at. Like I I do owe a lot to music videos, and I don't want to just like talk shit because it is true. I I, I built a lot of my career on on that. And so I, and I do love, as much as I wish I didn't, I do love music videos. Um, it's just, uh, it's brutal, you know, and I wish it wasn't yeah. quite as brutal, it but it really is. It really is. Yeah. Um, so there's a billion things we could talk about, but I do want to hit, um, on one thing specifically, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, you and I messaged a few times, but, um, I hit you up specifically about a, a post that you had made, mm-hmm. um, and kind of wanted to give you like a forum to talk about it a little bit, but just generally how, how people are navigating, like filmmakers are navigating like um, their career, their life uh, at, at this point in time, you know? Um, and I guess if there's anything that you wanted to kind of like say to that or any questions that people had asked you um, that you maybe yeah. wanted to speak to. Sure. So, so basically what the reason I, I was really self-conscious about putting that out. Cause yeah of doing a, an F8 like thing, but I just thought I'll, I'll try when, whenever, wherever possible, I will try help if someone's got a question or whatever. I really, I'll always, and before I had the time, I'd be like, yeah, let's, here's one. I'm going to jump on the phone. I'll just jump yeah, on the yeah. phone with someone and have a talk through and whatever. But the frequency to, with which I'm now being, you know, it's just, it's, it's different. Got a bit yeah. more known. You've got more people yeah. asking yourself. So then I thought, and then I'm just seeing the same questions all the time. Sure. And they're all really good questions. So I'm like, I'm just going to do an FAQ. So yeah. I, that's why I posted that thing. Like, look, just hit me up here. And I've got the stuff that other people have asked me before to get it. So then I'll, I, I reckon I can pretty much, like the stuff I most, and most of the time someone will ask me, so I can just send them that video. Basically, it's just kind of, ultimately it's for, it's just for selfish reasons to doing it, so <laughs> one, right sure. so here's the video i think i'll it'll answer it all but um I'd, and there's so many questions on there i don't know where i would i think the best thing to say on it is just because directing it's to remember that we're artists first and foremost yeah so you're an artist that happens to be working in the medium of film. Hmm. If you were a painter, 
would you be asking all of those questions? Obviously not, because you wouldn't be asking, how do I get a commercial or what camera do you use? But point being, like, <laughs> the, the necessity for so many tools and and systems and companies and outlets is so extreme with film. But ultimately, deep down, you're an artist, like, as a painter is or a writer is. So it's always trying to, the most part is like trying to remember that and forget about the noise. Yeah. Forget about how do I get a staff pick? How do I get my work in front of a production company? How do I, like the thing you should most be concentrating on and always doing is just craft. It's creating work. And so that's why my favorite Fincher quote, I think it's Fincher is, learning your craft won't stop you being a genius you know so it's like okay let's say you're a genius putting in the work and getting better at your craft isn't going to stop you being one so and i think that it's there's so much you can do before needing to like get a commercial or a rep or whatever it's like can you block a scene well or can you block yeah. a scene instinctually? Have you gotten to the point now where you kind of get, you kind of know where you want to put the camera? That might change, but there's each shoot you do is like a mini film score. And like that's one thing we're lucky with is like as directors compared to say other mediums, it's like you, you do a film, you do a project and you come out of it with so much knowledge. Like there's so many problems that you had to solve yeah. to do that. So just make work like that's the mm-hmm. that's all that any of us did i feel like like how mm-hmm. that's there's loads of little tips and tricks of like how do you get in front of a company or should you get repped or the rest of it but ultimately you should just make work yeah and yeah. budget isn't an obstacle like you can shoot on an iphone i did a kanye west video on an iphone it's got fucking canned but anyway we shot the whole thing on an iPhone Ooh, um, and it looks amazing. <laughs> and yeah. You can make something anyway. Like, so, and I'm talking now for more like the really early stages directors, like you should just honing craft and it's getting to the point where like a writer who has an idea, they can just open the computer and just type. Yeah. For me, it's been all about, getting what you start to really enjoy is getting to a point where that seed of an idea to final execution becomes easier it becomes more instinctual yeah i know where to put the camera i can storyboard in 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 three hours i can storyboard now rather than spending five days Mm -hmm. milling about on like what the shot list is (laughs) i know I know how to execute this narrative better. Like there's ideas that I have made. I'd say like the James Messiah video I made uh, just last year, I couldn't have made that a year before, I don't think. Mm. I wouldn't have gotten it right. Yeah. So you're constantly growing. So it's that should be the focus of all directors. And obviously the problem, the thing that goes against that focus is being broke i haven't got any money uh, i am not repped by a company i don't have the crew so obviously it's easy for me to say this but that's ultimately the journey that all directors go on it's like you just yeah. fucking hustle and you make work make work next piece make work you should yeah. always have something that you know you're going to make next like, then you're working on that piece 
do what you can with what you've got around you. So that's kind of like always kind of go back to that really. It's, it's tough for a lot of people that are uh, starting out because I feel like they have, they ask, you know, even, you know, a decade ago when I was asking similar yes. questions, yes. it's, you, you're always getting the same answer, which is just to continue to work and develop. And uh, it's, it's hard because it can become kind of like a uh, cliche and, and whatever, but it's, it's hard because it's the truth. You know, you just have to like continue to, to march on and just make stuff. And um, I, I really especially identify with, um, yeah. you know, what you talked about with leaving a company and kind of like recentering yourself, you know, and kind of remembering what it was like when you first started to just like, yeah. you know, gather your friends around and go make stuff um, outside of like the, uh, the system, you know? And I think that that's, you know, for me, that's something that I resonate with because it's been probably the past, like, I don't know, eight months of my life has been that. And it's been really good and healthy for me. Um, but also it's like a return to like uh, when I first started, you know, like that, yeah. that being kind of like the way that I made my earlier work was just to run around with friends and um, make it the way you're not like supposed to make it, you know? So I don't know for anybody out there who like feels like um, frustrated by it, it, there, there is no, there is no easy yeah. Like way around that, I guess. The, the the definite difficult thing for me, or the thing that is definitely a misconception as like a production company or like um, getting signed or like whatever is like. I mean, we all yes. want like the least resistance possible to making the work that's in our head, you know. Yeah, yeah. And you think that that's it. You think that that's just another layer of it. But it actually sometimes isn't. It's getting know? signed. It's, it's a, yeah, like production company or like some kind of, uh, you know, like getting, getting, it's, it really is what Ian's saying. It's just like, well, they're all looking at the work that you've made. Like yeah. you only have the things that you've made, you know, and most of the time, <clears throat> we don't know from experience, like the more personal the projects is, like the more like, like you got your homies yeah. together and like made something is usually typically the yeah. thing that people are trying to recreate for more money, you know, or like for a bigger budget or like, yeah, for sure. Or whatever. Um, but it is, it is one of those like shiny objects that you feel is going to give you an easier life and like pay you all this money. And, and as you know, Jared, and like, it's most of the time it's both. And, you know, you're giving up yeah. something exactly. in order to get, but I, th I think like, man, like, who doesn't want just like no resistance to ideas, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, yeah, that, that's such a good way of putting it. I think that's the ultimate, that's what all of us as directors are working towards. And it's who's even got there. It's you're talking about, you know, the, the, and the least resistance to an idea is a budget. So it's essentially, it's actually as simple as if you've got the money <laughs> to make that idea, that's it. You've got there. So it's kind of like a, a weird thing where it's actually kind of a, but then along the way it's, um, yeah. But yeah, you're right. It's like getting a, getting signed is not, the end because often it, you'll see there is they'll get signed and then they'll sit back and be like cool i got here but like that's not the destination <laughs> yeah yeah that's not the destination. you know that you're 
your sign, but now you you got to work even more. You got to like make that thing happen. Like you know, being at a production company can add legitimacy. Sure. Yes. It can add weight to you. It can mean you're not just the weirdo trying to do a thing. He had it. You're a signed weirdo, you know. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> yeah. But you know, then after time, it's like oh, you haven't been making a lot of work. It's like then you're the guy who's at the company who hasn't made anything in a year. Yes, you know that then starts playing on you. So then, so that company that dropped, you know, when I was dropped, that was the best decision. That was a good thing yeah. that they did. Yeah. I'm not even saying that they shouldn't have done. I mean, maybe there was various ways you could go, but it was a good, it was a good the thing. It was like it's better if you just take some. That the, the word they had was look, it's like, well, I'm gonna take your side, like keep us up to date. But I think you need to do some stuff, whatever. So yeah, it's it's a it's a weird one. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, man. I appreciate yeah, it. Man. Appreciate My it. pleasure. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, tell Matilda hello. And uh, be safe. Thanks, everybody, for joining us this week on Good. And as always, much love from your hosts, myself, Jared Hogan, and Christian Schultz as well. And a big shout out to Christian Stropko, or we call him around here, Christian number two, for editing and mixing this episode. And also Eames for a podcast theme song. You can check out him and more at musicbed.com for all your music licensing needs, as well as filmsupply.com for all of your footage licensing needs. We, uh, we love you, all of you, and can't wait to see you next week.